Hey, everybody. It is Wednesday, November 23rd. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwununu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts and some analysis. Wait, that that feels new, Jill. Are you tweaking? Are you tweaking the catchphrase? You know what? I'm gonna just throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and see what sticks yeah. here. I'm, I, I I'm wanted cool to change it a little bit and see if we liked it. Because right, somebody wrote in somebody wrote into you saying that you aren't just the facts. We do provide analysis and that's why they like this podcast. Yeah, so we just we're acknowledging reality here. Just the facts, <laughs> some analysis, and I'm gonna go with our normal line. We read the news so you don't have to, which is something we take pride in. And I think people also appreciate. We're going to actually get to gratitude and think what we're thankful for later in this podcast, which I'm really excited about. Uh, because, Jill, this is our final daily edition this week. We have crammed in four episodes in three days, though. So I, I we, we really put in an effort. All right, let's get to some of the headlines. Anthony Fauci says goodbye as we get a preview of where COVID might be going this winter. We're hearing from the hero in the Colorado shooting who tackled the gunman. Some airlines are calling for regulations to lift requirements that there be more than one pilot in the cockpit. And Mosh, you and I are going to talk about what we're thankful for this Thanksgiving and also what some of you are grateful for as well. Yeah, we got we got some really lovely notes from all of you. So we will be sharing a few in this episode. All right, let's start with Dr. Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert. He gave his final briefing to reporters on Tuesday. The White House press secretary said the country is, quote, stronger and healthier because of his leadership. Fauci is scheduled to retire from the government next month after more than five decades of service. He used the opportunity to encourage Americans to, Moshe, I'm going to give you one guess. Uh, Did it have to do with getting a shot? (laughs) Get up to date on their COVID and flu shots ahead of winter. Okay, so he said his, quote, final message from the podium is that please, for your own safety, for that of your family, Family, get your updated COVID-19 shot as soon as you're eligible to protect yourself, your family, and your community. As director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Fauci has been a near constant presence at the White House briefings throughout more than two years of the pandemic. He was asked how he wants people to remember his service in government, and he said he'll leave it to others to judge, but that he did give it all he's got for decades. He will be turning 82 next month, so finally retiring after working uh, into his early 80s, which I guess is a thing in the government these days. Fauci, for what it's worth, was respected actually by both sides of the political aisle for decades. He was the architect of a number of major health programs through the years, including PEPFAR. That was the major Bush administration program that helped uh, millions around the world deal with HIV and AIDS. He actually made the push back here in the U.S., back in the 80s, to take AIDS more seriously. Uh, And actually, most recently, was one of the big people pushing for an HIV vaccine. So there is a legacy that goes uh, far back, way before the COVID days. But as we all know, and we've all witnessed, he did become a lightning rod for many conservatives as the response to the pandemic became really politicized in the past couple of years. Some of his public health decisions uh, have been questioned, along with uh, CDC decisions that have also come under scrutiny. He became the face of the lockdown, uh, was one of the people early on saying we didn't need masks until we needed masks, uh, dismissing links to the Wuhan lab, which now there's some evidence that there were links. Anyway, that's all actually going to come up because while he thinks he's going to be retiring or he's hoping to retire, <laughs> uh, House Republicans have no interest in letting him retire anytime soon. They'll be taking over the House, which includes investigations, uh, as they will have the majority starting in January. And they have vowed to launch multiple investigations into the origins of the pandemic, 
with calls for Fauci to testify. We might have actually gotten a preview of that uh, on Tuesday, Jill, because it got a little spicy in the press room. A reporter for the Daily Caller, the conservative outlet, was repeatedly trying to ask Fauci about what he knew about the origins of COVID until literally the White House press secretary got in front of the podium and was like, please stop. You're harassing Fauci. We have uh, decorum in this room. So that became, I guess, a sneak peek of what you probably will be seeing this spring on Capitol Hill. So a friend of mine owns a doggy daycare on the Upper West Side. And I randomly this weekend was asking him, we were talking about what dogs are named these days. Mm -hmm. So he said he has a lot of Fauci's, (laughs) which actually makes sense because I guess the Upper West Side is kind of like Fauci's Mecca. I've 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 seen those like um, prayer candles with Fauci's photo on them around Brooklyn as well, like next to like RBG prayer candles. So there is, you know, I'm, I'm in in like more liberal bastions. Fauci is still this revered figure, right? I wonder if in 10 years, though, the kid, their kids are going to be like, why is every dog named Fauci? You know, like where do you <laughs> who is Fauci? When did this become a thing? But look, his legacy is definitely, it's definitely controversial. I mean, I remember, and I don't even want to get into the origins of COVID because obviously there are so many questions, Uh, but I remember very, very early on in the pandemic when he had come out and said that masks, as you had mentioned, that masks weren't useful, that there was no point in wearing masks. And I remember thinking, well, what would be the harm? I mean, look, it certainly yeah. couldn't hurt, right? Um, and then they reversed course and said, actually, you should wear masks. And then it came out that one of the reasons that they perhaps were not encouraging mask use is because there was a shortage of masks and they wanted to make sure that medical professionals had access to them. I, I don't know. I mean, I, that's problematic. Well, you know, I think one of the things that he brought up again uh, yesterday was that there was a reason for these mixed messages. We were watching a living, breathing pandemic unfold, and public health officials were going with the information they had at the time. And he understands why the public, uh, you know, fairly questions like, wait, you told us in January X, but then March Y and then June Z, right? And he's like, well, things change. And, you know, as we got more data, as variants happen, things change. At the same time, You know, I think it's important given how much the pandemic and COVID has changed how we live our lives, that our response should be scrutinized. Uh, Because as we know, pandemics happen. uh, And there were 100 years between the flu pandemic and COVID. But I think we live in a more globalized world and we can expect more of, hopefully not like this, in the future. So we, you know, it's important to kind of look back and see where things may have gone awry and, and lessons for the future. Exactly. And I'm not pointing I'm not pointing fingers at Dr. Fauci per se, but there were definitely mistakes that were made. Um, There was definitely information that didn't get to the public in a way that was clear um, and understandable. And yeah. And yes, there was a lot of stuff that just changed because it's science and because we the virus changed and, and we learned more about the virus as well. Yeah. I mean, even like the initial evidence that like people with the vaccine and initial studies showed they thought they could spread it less. And it turned out that not that wasn't true, which then gave less oomph to vaccine mandates. Anyway, you know, I think we need to have an open and honest conversation. And like, as most things we've discovered um, in our world, um, the right isn't totally wrong about everything. And the left isn't totally wrong about everything. And the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Uh, But this issue became so politicized. And Fauci, of course, uh, likewise, became very politicized. All right, switching gears, we're learning more about what unfolded in the Colorado Springs nightclub on the night of that mass shooting this past weekend. 
and also the hero who prevented it from being even worse. Rich Fierro is a decorated former U.S. Army major. He tackled the gunman and then beat him with the gunman's own gun. He said he was at the club with his wife, daughter, and friends watching a drag show when gunfire ripped through the club. He told a group of reporters, instinct took over. He had served four tours of duty in Iraq and Afghanistan. He charged the man. He says, quote, I don't know exactly what I did. I just went into combat mode. I just know I have to kill this guy before he kills us. Sadly, his daughter's boyfriend was one of the five people that was killed in that shooting. So he said the gunman was easily 300 pounds, wearing body armor and armed with a rifle. So Fierro grabbed the back of that body armor and pulled the man to the floor, jumping on top of him. Fierro then yelled for another club patron to grab the rifle and kick the gunman in the face. And then he told a drag dancer who was passing by to stomp the attacker with her high heels. Meanwhile, Fierro was hitting the shooter with the pistol that the shooter had also brought into the club. The Colorado Springs mayor said of Fierro, I have never encountered a person who engaged in such heroic actions so humbly. I mean, so incredible, your description there of like what, what took place uh, and the fact that, you know, somebody had the instinct to, to rush him uh, before he could uh, kill and wound more people. Jill, President Biden actually called Fierro, according to the White House, thanked him for his instinct uh, to act and save lives. Biden reportedly also offered his condolences uh, to Fierro uh, for his loss and also uh, talked through what it's like to grieve. It comes as we learn the names of the five people who lost their lives that night. Their ages range from 22 to 40. That includes Raymond Green Vance. He was a 2018 graduate of Sand Creek High School. He was at the club to celebrate a friend's birthday, and he was the boyfriend of Fierro's daughter. Ashley Paw was a 35-year-old wife and mother of an 11-year-old daughter who went to Club Q to see a comedian perform. Kelly Loving, a 40-year-old trans woman from Denver, was visiting Colorado Springs for the weekend. Daniel Davis Aston was a transgender man who is remembered by his friends for being energetic, lively, and helpful. And Derek Rump was a bartender at the club, described by other employees and uh, people who often were served by him as bubbly, full of smiles, and someone who loved to crack a joke. As for the gunman, we mentioned this on the podcast Monday. Anderson Lee Aldrich appears to have had an encounter with local authorities last year. That's when sheriff's deputies arrested him on suspicion of kidnapping and also making a bomb threat. So we were talking about it then. How did he still get his hands on a gun? Because Colorado has red flag laws. Well, a judge apparently dismissed the case and sealed the records. Uh, the charges were actually dropped because his family members were the target of the bomb threats did not pursue the case. And now in this case, the mass shooting over the weekend, Aldrich now faces five murder charges and five charges of committing a bias-motivated crime. Jill, we have a lot more news to get to in this podcast, but I want to get to a couple of our sponsors today. Um, We're very lucky. Our newest one is Bolin Branch Sheets. Jill, I don't know, were you following me on Instagram as we were having that viral top sheet uh, versus duvet debate a couple of weeks ago. Of course. Where do you stand on that? I used to be a firm believer in a top sheet. My husband hates a top sheet. And so I decided it's not worth it. And what do you need a top sheet for anyway? And so we don't use a top sheet. And I have to say, it's kind of nice. It's one less <laughs> thing to deal with. It's it's nice. We're we're still top sheeters in my house. And but what is nice is that you have some options now. And our newest sponsor, Bull and Branch, took notice of that debate um, and is very excited to be offering Mo News listeners an incredible 
deal early for Black Friday, 25% off for a limited time with the promo code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S. We actually, my, uh, my wife and I, Alex, recently got a set from them. It includes pillowcases, duvet cover, and yes, a top sheet. And it's been a game changer. <laughs> they get softer with each wash. But they're offering, Jill, everybody, packages that don't include top sheets, which I think is very nice, you know, for people like you. That's great. Um, I did see your, I did see the, I, I guess, the Instagram ad that you guys did. Um, bo- both of you in blue t-shirts in yes. bed. Tell us what was going on there. So Bowling Brunch has also sponsored us on the Instagram side. And I'm glad you noticed it. Well, clearly it was a memorable ad, which was the purpose. <laughs> <It> was <so>. <laughs> I was I was casually scrolling through Instagram and I just see this picture. I see this video of you and Alex wearing these bright royal blue shirts in bed. And I'm like, what are they up to? Um, And I obviously stopped and listened. I'm like, very clever. It, it, it was very cool because, again, this story was like I put out there on Instagram totally organically. Like, hey, guys, like, what do you make of this trend story? And like it blew up and they get thousands of messages. And of course, now Bowling Branch has taken notice. And so they're offering this special deal to our listeners, you know, in a reminder to all of us, you spend a third of your life in bed. So sheets are a big deal. And so Bowling Branch is offering this special early Black Friday deal. Again, you can get it. It's the best deal of the year. It's 25% off and free shipping with the promo code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S, over at bullandbranch.com. That is B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch, bullandbranch.com. Promo code MONEWS. The offer ends on November 27th. All right, as we head into warmer weather across much of the U.S. in the coming months, one way to stay cool and continue to get a good night's sleep is by checking out Bull and Branch Bedding and Sheets. They're a brand that we love here at MONEWS. We only endorse products that we love. And we've been using Bowl and Branch for more than two years now in our home. The sheets have been great, soft, breathable fabric that works for both cold and warm weather. We noticed the quality immediately and have gotten a few different sets in our house. I know Jill has as well. They're made with 100% organic cotton, completely free from toxins. I know that is very important to a number of you. And it's not just sheets. They have blankets, duvets, pillows, a whole variety of products to ensure you get a good night's sleep. And right now, they have a great deal for the Mo News community. Go check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Again, they get softer with every wash. So the deal right now is 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code MONEWS for 15% off. Exclusions do apply. See site for details. Time now for the speed read from The Washington Post. Supreme Court denies Trump bid to withhold tax returns from Congress. The Supreme Court on Tuesday cleared the way for a congressional committee to examine Donald Trump's tax returns, denying without comment the former president's last ditch effort to extend a legal battle that has consumed Congress and the courts for years. The justice's brief order means that the Treasury Department may quickly hand over six years of tax records from 2015 to 2020, and this includes his taxes and those of his companies. So they would go to the currently Democratic-led House Ways and Means Committee. And Moshe, I was actually wondering what lawmakers have said they want the tax returns for. So apparently they say they need the returns from his time in office to help evaluate the effectiveness of how the IRS audits presidential tax returns. Yeah, I buy buy that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Trump, though, has argued that Democratic lawmakers are on a fishing expedition designed to embarrass him politically. 
Keep in mind, Jill, uh, one of the reasons they're so desperate for it on Capitol Hill is also Trump was the first president in 40 years not to release his tax returns. You know, he he's tried to keep the secret details of his wealth private uh, and the activities of his real estate company, the Trump Organization, private, especially as they come under legal scrutiny in New York State and other places. But this basically means this ruling by the Supreme Court rules that a president, or in this case, a former president, is basically no different than the rest of us. Congressional subpoena power stands. They are a co-equal branch of the government to the executive. And so you know, this was an important kind of precedent-setting case for Congress being like, in the Constitution, we're a co-equal branch of government. We should have the ability to subpoena, whether it's current presidents, former presidents, et cetera. And of course, the very important matter of making sure the IRS is effectively auditing presidential tax returns. <laughs> <laughs> the big question now, though, Jill, is they've gotten this victory in late November of 2022. In just about six weeks, Republicans will be taking over the House, meaning if the Treasury Department, and they say they're going to comply with this, but are they able to, in time, can get the tax returns to the Democratic-led House Ways and Means Committee, because it's pretty apparent you can assume Republicans have zero interest in scrutinizing Trump's tax returns or releasing anything. So that'll be the big question as to whether this goes down in the next six weeks or this court victory for Democrats was all for naught. All right, Jill, this next story comes to us from Fortune magazine. Uh, I have gotten tons and tons of messages about this, and understandably so. So Fortune reports that over 40 countries, including Germany, the UK, and New Zealand have asked the United Nations body that sets aviation standards to help make single pilot flights a safe reality. And so the European equivalent of the FAA has been working with plane makers to determine how solo flights would operate and preparing rules to oversee them. The agency is saying that services could start in 2027, where you would just have one pilot on a commercial flight. As you can imagine, the plan does not sit well with pilots, flight attendants, passengers. Uh, so it's going to be an uphill anyone. <laughs> Basically anyone. Like, are you getting on a plane in 2027 with only one pilot? I'm going to take a hard pass on this, Moshe. <laughs> Terrible idea. Um, experts telling Fortune the plan changes do bring many challenges. It is not yet clear what would happen if a lone pilot collapsed or started flying erratically. Automation. <laughs> Uh, automation, technology, and remote assistance from the ground would somehow have to replace the expertise, safety, and immediacy of a second pilot. But aviation has been moving toward this point for decades. In the 1950s, commercial aircraft, co aircraft cockpits excuse me, were more crowded, typically with a captain, first officer, or co-pilot, a flight engineer, a navigator, and a radio operator. Uh, advances in technology gradually made the last three of those positions Redundant. I can't even get through the story. That's how flustered I am by this all. <laughs> You're like, what? what? How could this be? I mean, if you take in really small planes, that's always an issue, right? There's always a concern, in addition to those planes being small, that there's only one pilot. Um, and, but it is interesting that last point you brought up, Jill, because there is this technological argument here that as we move to self-driving cars, as by the way, many of the planes you fly in already, especially the Airbus planes, are pretty much automated. A lot is automated. Like basically the pilots deal with takeoff and landing. And for the most part, the plane flies itself. That said, uh, here at home, it does not appear, according to NBC News, that the FAA is on board with this. So you probably aren't going to see this domestically or a, a case to be made here. This is being left to the Germans, the New Zealanders, and a few other countries there to make that case. Um, and I can imagine this plan probably does not see uh, much adoption, especially here at home where... Uh, I have not heard a single person 
from a single person who's like, yeah, cool, one pilot, let's do it. This from the New York Times, federal health officials expressed optimism on Tuesday that the nation was better prepared to weather a surge of COVID infections this winter compared with a year earlier. And it comes as they renewed their pleas for Americans to get an updated booster shot ahead of the holidays. While the trajectory of the virus remains uncertain, federal health officials said the administration was hopeful that the combination of infections and vaccinations had created enough community protection that we're not going to see a repeat of what we saw last year at this time. And that was when a brand new variant, Omicron, emerged seemingly out of the blue. A very unhappy first birthday to the Omicron variant, Jill. Remember that? They were shutting down borders. We were all freaking out. I mean, that was only a year ago. Omicron got me, I think. And and I'm assuming that was what got our family sick back in June. It, yeah, me, me and Alex got hit by that last uh, in December, actually, as during that surge. Now, where the uh, coronavirus goes next with all the new variants is still uh, being tracked. Right now, federal officials here in the U.S. are watching the new subvariant of Omicron. It's called XBB with a bit of concern. Uh, the new subvariant only accounts for a small, t- tiny percentage of cases here in the U.S., but it is showing up uh, in testing of travelers at major international airports, as well as taken hold in India and Singapore. But at the same time, officials are encouraged that the data right now out of Singapore when it comes to XBB does show a jump in infections, but does not report a similar rise in hospitalization. So again, uh, it appears to be what part of the Omicron family where people get it, but it does not uh, is not linked to a major rise in hospitalizations. But it is still wild, Jill, as I was reading this story, that we're still seeing just about 300 Americans a day still dying with COVID. Not to do the simple math here, but that's 2,100 people a week. That is not nothing by any means, especially if one of those 2,100 people is is somebody that you know, a loved one. Yeah, Jill, and to annualize your math there, uh, that's about 100,000 people a year. So still concerning. uh, At the same time, you know, good news is, you know, this new subvariant doesn't seem to be linked to hospitalizations or deaths right now. But at the same time, like if you're in a vulnerable population, COVID is still a daily reality for you. You know, the concern about getting it. From Fox Sports, Saudi Arabia stuns Argentina. Messi in historic upset. The 2022 FIFA World Cup continued Tuesday with Argentina being stunned by Saudi Arabia 2-1, snapping a 36-match unbeaten streak, the second-longest streak in international men's soccer history. This is Argentina's first loss in a World Cup opener since 1990, a 1-0 defeat to Cameroon. For perspective, Argentina's appeared in every World Cup in that span. Notably, Argentina ended up making the final in 1990 but lost to Germany. So for all those disappointed Argentina fans, there is still hope. Argentina entered its opener with the third best odds to win the entire World Cup and now faces an uphill battle to get out of their preliminary group with must-win games against Mexico and Poland in the coming days. That's Jill Wagner with your World Cup play-by-play <laughs> coverage. Did I sound Jill, like I knew what I was talking about? Yeah, totally, totally. You're like, let me let me give you, like, that was great. That was a great uh, <laughs> sports segment, and we're going to lose you at some point to Fox Sports if you continue that trajectory. Jill, soccer is a religion in Argentina. And like, I was getting photos uh, of just people in tears uh, this morning uh, who woke up or super early on the in the US. I think you had to be up somewhere between 1am and 5am to watch this game, wherever you were. And for Argentina, you know, the reason it's such a shock is like, they don't lose. 
and they're expected to win. And uh, what was interesting is I did hear from some Brazilians who definitely engage in schadenfreude, who were like, yeah, 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 like the Brazil, you know, that's a huge rivalry in South America. So the Brazilians are very happy about the Argentine loss. Uh, you mentioned Messi in the headline there, Lionel Messi. He is the star of the team. He was asked how he and his teammates feel after the game. And he said, quote, the truth, dead. <laughs> it's a very hard blow because we did not expect to start this way. Like, And so that's going to be the big question is Messi, who's now 35 years old. He announced this was going to be his last World Cup, internationally renowned. Everyone in the country looks up to him. Um, can he fix this? Uh, I was taking a look at some of the headlines in Argentine newspapers. Uh, and uh, the newspaper La Nación said, uh, took aim at Messi's broken spirit. The website Olé bemoaned their dream turning into a nightmare. Uh, and in historical terms, there's only been a couple of these types of games that the soccer experts out there uh, compare it to. North Korea apparently beat Italy in 1966, which was like a true shocker. The Italians also serious soccer players. And interestingly, in 1950, the U.S. beat England, which was also up there because we don't tend to be that good, especially at men's soccer. We crushed the women's especially soccer. Especially then. I feel like it, yeah. soccer has become a little bit more popular recently. Totally. So uh, that'll be something interesting to keep in mind and to share as a fun fact on Friday, because the U.S. will be playing England this Friday in this year's World Cup. So uh, throw out that fact to people. You're like, listen, the U.S. did beat England once back in 1950. All right. Before we go, we wanted to take a moment to talk about what we are thankful for this Thanksgiving. And we're going to start with some of your submissions they really run the gamut from family to pets to jobs to the little things. And we're going to apologize in advance because we're basically reading your handles. You're not your names. So if we if this, these aren't your names or we're mispronouncing it, we do apologize. I was not thankful for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, from Renee Kressel, our new house with an interest rate of less than 6%. Nicely done. Uh, Mia Deacon, my family. This year has been stressful and weird, but having a community to lean on is a heart emoji. From what the heck, Beck88, I happen to love that handle. My wonderful little family, they are my why. From Lead the Way 1518, I finally have a career with meaning and benefits and camaraderie and support for management. I love that. From Sierra Dooley, my pop up. We caught his cancer early ish. There is hope. He started chemo yesterday. So best of Pray. luck. Best of luck praying for your papa, C.R. Dooley. From Jess Perizek, my pup. She's brought me so much joy. COVID times were lonely. Roro Mag 63 is thankful for her cats, Charlie and Mary, who are always there if I have a good or bad day. From S. Gittleson, safety, heat, freedom, as my family in Ukraine struggles with all three putting things into context for all of us there. And then there are the little things. Heidi Beret is thankful for sunshine on cold days, making my morning walks so much more enjoyable. We got hundreds of these, Jill. Uh, a few people actually said they were thankful for this podcast, which we totally appreciate. Uh, some of you tried to make funnies and said you were thankful for your Bull and Branch sheets. Thank you for <laughs> listening to the ad. <laughs> we'll let Bull and Branch know that you are thankful for that. That's awesome. Jill, what are you thankful for this year? Oh, Mosh, um, I had quite a year and not to lay too much on all you guys, but I do believe I'm being honest. So last year at about this time, and Mosh, you know this, of course, I was the mm -hmm. victim of a carjacking. I was held at knife point while I was on my way to work in the early morning. It was horrible and traumatic. 
And shortly after that, I found out that I was pregnant quite unexpectedly. So I could not be more thankful for this baby who came at a time when I really needed him because it forced me to get myself together, get my head in a better place, see a therapist and just work through what had happened. And now he's here and he is delicious. I am also thankful uh, for my daughter who is smart and sassy and sweet. And she amazes me every day with the things that she says and does. And I'm also thankful for her allergy treatment, which is working. I've talked a little bit about her, some of her food allergies. Um, so this treatment is helping her to have a more normal life. Uh, but I am thankful also for her teachers and school director and her friends' parents who go so out of their way to make sure that even with her food allergies, that she's included in everything and can participate. Because that is the big concern, this feeling of loneliness that she might feel really left out. Um, I am thankful for my husband who got me and my family through this year. As I mentioned, it wasn't an easy one. Um, and my parents as well, who live 10 minutes from us and, and basically do everything and anything for me and my family. And Moshe, I am thankful for you and for having this opportunity to do this podcast together, which I absolutely love. And I know that we're relatively early in this journey, but I already do feel like we're creating something special and building upon the amazing community that you've already built on your social media accounts. Oh, Jill, I'm thankful for you too. And I and uh, we probably haven't discussed this on the since our first podcast back in June, but we go back to working together nearly a decade ago at CBS, and then you uh, went off to Cheddar, and then I eventually went independent and started to you know build the thing that has turned into Mo News. Uh, and I was so lucky and so grateful that you were game to get back in the newsletter and podcast business uh, with me and and help really build this. And I couldn't have done 2022 without you. So very thankful and grateful to you. And there's so many other people and things I'm grateful for. Uh, first, my wife, Alex, without whom this wouldn't be possible either. Her love, her support, her patience, and her story pitches. Actually, a week doesn't go by where uh, her stories uh, are not ending up on the podcast and on the Instagram feed. Uh, and as I spend hours trying to bring everyone the news on these platforms, uh, she's been incredibly, incredibly supportive. Uh, I joke, actually, that if it wasn't for her, I would forget to eat. Um, so, Alex, thank you, as you anticipate my <laughs> Or needs, you would even. definitely not um, eat as well. Oh, I definitely don't eat as well. But in some cases, I just literally wouldn't eat uh, and take care of myself. So <laughs> thank you, Alex, for helping me make my professional dream and my personal dreams come true. I'm also thankful uh, to my family, especially this week. Jill, I'm actually taping this from Chicago right now. Without going into details, I actually flew here suddenly over the weekend. A member of my family had quite the health scare, but I'm thankful for modern medicine and that my family can be together at home for Thanksgiving. Also thankful, by the way, for to my extended family, Alex's family, for their constant support, especially in this past week. And last but not least, I'm thankful for this community on the podcast, the podcast listeners, Instagram, newsletter. Without all of you, we wouldn't be here and be growing. Your feedback, your spreading the word, your support uh, for this service has been incredible. Most of all, I love your insights, your anecdotes, your perspective. And it does really give us hope at a time where things have become so politicized, so partisan, you know, people have lost trust in the news. And it's really made me really believe that a civil conversation is possible, that people really do want the facts, that we don't have to fight even though we have political differences, and that there's a new approach here to the covering of the news, to have a conversation with the audience. And uh, I think we're on to something here, Jill, as we, you know, get into the second year. 
I, I totally agree with you, Mosh. And I've always said one of the things I love most about your Instagram account, and I, I think we're trying to foster it here on the podcast as well, is the feedback from people who are uh, from the audience who have firsthand experience with some of the stories that you're talking about. It just shows the reach and the differing opinions. And as you mentioned, to be able to do it in a way that's that's cordial and just you know, everyone has their opinions without being really kind of nasty to each other, which I think is unfortunately what you get in so many other places now. And, you know, as like, you know, two fellow uh, recovering journalists from the traditional media, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I feel like we, in those worlds, they've lost sight and we lost sight back when we were there of really speaking to the concerns of the audience, uh, you know, and deciding what to cover, how to cover, what questions to ask. And I, you know, I think there's an opportunity to, you know, ed, uh, social media does get a bad rap and deservedly so sometimes for, you know, what it causes and what it leads to. But it is a unique, there is a way to use it for good. And I think that, you know, we're, we're starting to figure out that way, especially when it comes to kind of combining a renewing trust uh, in the news and information that you get. Absolutely. And and with that, we do need to wrap up, but we want to thank everyone again for listening to the Mo News podcast. Follow us, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, review us in the app store so we can continue to grow. Really appreciate and so grateful for all of your reviews. They really do make a difference and help the show grow. Don't forget to uh, follow me, of course, over on Instagram at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. And uh, reminder, we uh, will be taking the holiday with our families, uh, but we'll see everyone back here on Monday. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, folks.